Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning, everyone. Uh, glad to see everyone. Well, at least I'm acting like I see you. Um, we've been able to get through the first three chapters of Mark. Now we're going to start on a very important chapter, Mark chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be talking about the parable of the sower. And this has got... This is so important, we're going to be spending quite a bit of time on it because there's so many uh, offshoots and roads we can travel as we go through this. So uh, let's turn to Mark chapter 4. Um, I want to tell you, I'm also I'm going to be using the modern English version, so that's, that's the translation that I'm working through here. So <clears throat> uh, Jesus has just gotten through teaching to a bunch of people, and... Uh, he's going to go out on the lake and begin this teaching. So let's start, and I'll read the first uh, nine verses in Mark chapter 4. Again, he began to teach by the seaside. A large crowd was gathered before him, so that he entered a boat and sat in on it on the sea. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land, and he taught them many things in parables. And he said to them in his teaching, Listen and take note, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell beside the path, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and soon it sprang up because it did not have depth of soil. But when the sun rose, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell on good ground, and it yielded grain and sprang up and increased by thirty, sixty, or a hundred times as much. Then he said to them, <clears throat> He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, we'll stop at this point. This parable is told in three Gospels. Uh, it's told in, in Mark. Matthew and Luke, and it's in Matthew chapter 13 and Luke chapter 8. Now, all three writers write about it differently, and it's like climbing a mountain. And we're all going up the same mountain, but we're going up different sides, so we get different views, but it's the same mountain. So we're going to be talking primarily in Mark. He gives some of the best detail, but we'll also be jumping into uh, Matthew uh, later on as we go through this. So... Um, let's look at verse number 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is so important that when we begin to study how Satan is going to operate, because that's what this parable is about, it's telling you about how the enemy operates against you. Uh, if we look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul's great uh, uh, chapter on spiritual warfare, we know that we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting uh, Satan and his crowd. And so uh, Jesus is going to give us some insight about how that happens. So let's begin on verse chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. When he was alone, those who were around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. He said to them, To you is given the secret of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside everything everything is said in parables 
so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Now the purpose of the parable, why is he doing this? This just sounds to me, when I first heard this, it sounded uh, goofy because he's saying, I'm telling them things that they can't understand and I don't want them to turn and get forgiven. And I didn't understand that until I got going down. You can see one of the things he doesn't want people to do is to be able to get spiritual truth and revelation by any other means except the Holy Spirit. So this isn't something you can uh, read and think about and figure it out on your own. You're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. And this has been true through the whole Bible. Now, <clears throat> if we go down to chapter uh, 4, verse 13, one of the very important scriptures in here says, If you don't understand this parable, how then will you understand all of the parables? In other words, he's telling you that this is the root, this is, this is the mother of all parables. If you don't get this one, you're going to miss them all. Because you're not going to understand how Satan operates. And Jesus is going to tell us this in great detail. So, um, Matthew also says the same thing. But he goes to, to Matthew chapter 13, verse 17. And he says this, For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see these things which you see and have not heard them. Um, and they've and to see them, and to hear these things which you hear, and have not heard them. Then he tells them, listen to the parable of the sower. So, there's been many people in the Old Testament have asked God questions that pertain to this, but they never got the answers. You can see this, you can see it happen uh, at the very beginning in Genesis, but you will see it throughout there, and we will go back and look at some of these instances uh, as we go along. But now let's look at verse 14. <clears throat> Excuse me. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the path where they hear the word. But when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word which has been sown in their hearts. Now, who is it that comes immediately to steal the word? It's Satan. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not God using Satan to teach you something. It's Satan coming to steal the Word. If he can steal the Word, he can kill you. John 10.10, 10, classic scripture. For the thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Get the order right. It's not kill, steal, and destroy. It's steal, kill, and destroy. If he can steal the Word from your heart, he can destroy you. And that's what he will do. Um... A lot of people say things like, well, you know, this happened to you so God can teach you some things. That's not necessarily true. God may take the opportunity to teach you from events that happen in your life, but why do they happen? Uh, this scripture leads me uh, to a great question. Now, I don't have any children, but I know a lot of parents. Most people have kids. Uh, and I ask them this, would you take your child's hand and put it on a hot stove so he could learn about not placing his hand on the orange dot on top of the stove. No. Would you go stick his finger in the light socket so he could learn 
as my little uh, nephew said one time, bit BB. That thing bites. Would you go stick his finger in there so he'd learn that lesson? I don't think so. If you did that, if parents did that, and they do do that kind of thing, what do we call it? We call it child abuse. God's not that way either. Now, if you're stupid enough to go stick your hand in a light socket, and you get zapped with 120 volts, well, God will take an opportunity to show you something. But it wasn't him. He's the one that's trying to keep your hand out of this thing. It's Satan that comes immediately to steal the Word. Don't lose fact of that sight. Don't lose sight of that fact. Now, verse 16. Others, likewise, are seed sown on rocky ground. And when they hear the Word, immediately receive it with gladness, but have no root in themselves, and so they endure for a while. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the Word's sake, immediately they fall away. Now, look into this a minute and see what happens here. He said, they receive it with gladness. They're happy that they heard this. This is good stuff. They've not heard this before. And they're beginning to hear that God's not against them. He's for them. Whatever it is that they're teaching, and he finds this out. Now, Satan comes immediately because he can't afford to have you thinking that God's on your side. And he can't afford to have you believing that what God said is true. If you don't believe me, go look at Genesis chapter 3. Satan says to Eve, did God really say that? I mean, immediately he figured out how to approach her in such a way to steal the word. Okay, now, there's five weapons that Satan has. He's only got five. He uses them in different ways, but he's got five weapons. Two of them are right here. Affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. It doesn't say that affliction or persecution arise so God can teach you something. It says affliction and persecution arises for the word's sake. Now, affliction, uh, we can think of affliction, COVID is affliction. There's all kinds of diseases, um, things that, you know, physically attack you. Those are afflictions. And persecution. You see, we're seeing persecution today in the United States. People that are standing up for pro-life, people that are standing up and asking God to open their eyes about things, and standing up for what's righteous, they're being persecuted. They're being persecuted by the media. Uh, they're being thrown off of the social media platforms that they spend all their time on, which, as a commentary, I wouldn't, I'm not on Facebook, Twitter, or any of the other ones. And it's because I know what they do with when they get on there. So, it's not God doing these things. It's Satan doing these things, and he's trying to steal so he can destroy you. Just remember that. Now, down to verse 19, or verse 18, I mean. And others are seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Now, these are the other three things. We've got affliction, persecution. Now we have uh, cares of this world, and that's anxiety, worry. Then you have desire for other things. Now, King James translates that word lust. Most of the time, when we hear the word lust, we associate it with sexual stuff. And that's certainly, lust is certainly a part of that. 
But what this word really means is pressure on your five physical senses. That's the meaning of the word uh, lust. It means pressure on your five physical senses. Now you could have that because, geez, I got to have a new phone. I need a new bass boat. I need a new car. I got to have this. I got to have that. I need to have a girl. That's what Samson said. Uh, bring me the girl. You know. So these are the five things, and you can see each of them is after the word of God. Now, <clears throat> others are seed sown on good ground who hear the word, receive it, bear fruit 30, 60, or 100 times as much. 100 times as much. Now, in this case, we want to look at a, a couple of things about this. First of all, there's four groups of people that heard the word. They were on the path. They were on the rocky ground, they were on the thorny ground, they were on the good ground. 75% of the people that heard the word didn't get it. 75% of them, that's three out of four. Now, that'll play, in, that'll play up later as we get into to Luke chap, or pardon me, Mark chapter 5, when we get into Jairus and his daughter. But you see right here, and you can see it, on the news, you can hear it when listen. 75% of the people, so if you've got 100 people in the congregation on Sunday, there's a real good chance 75 of them aren't getting what's being told if they're teaching the Word. Not my words. This is what Jesus said. Now, why are we in such trouble? Well, we let Satan steal from us with these five weapons that he has. Affliction persecution, the deceitfulness of riches, not money, but the deceitfulness of it, uh, lust for other things. So it's important to remember these five things. Now we're going to travel through the Bible and you're going to see this pattern has existed from Genesis all the way to Revelation. This is what Jesus is telling us. This is how your enemy operates. This is what he does. And, and he doesn't change his, his tactics. He doesn't need to. They've worked for millennia, and they'll continue to work as long as you're one of the 75% that don't get it. Are you with me? Take some time to think about that. Now, let's go down to verse number 21 is a candle brought to be put under a basket or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? No. The Word of God is meant to be shown to people and it's meant to be... It's, it's Word. It's light. The entrance of thy Word gives light. Okay, I think that's what Psalm says. Now, within that framework, he says in verse 22, nothing is hidden except to be revealed... And neither is anything kept secret except to be proclaimed. One of the things that you have to understand is God's not hiding things from us. He's hiding things for us. It's a big difference. God's not trying to hide things from us. He's telling us in the Word, and it's a, it's a simple, simple issue. Do you believe John 3.16, for God so loved the world? People say, yeah, I believe that. Why did you get saved? It'll come back to some point in there where they believe Jesus died on the cross for their sins. 
So the reason that you believe what you did when you got saved was because God said it. Jesus said it. Well, he said other things as well. And they're just as true as, as for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. They're just as true. And it's important that we follow through on these things. And we understand that when he says something, it is just as true. And so this is how your enemy operates. Satan comes after you. He's going to use five things to steal the word. So what might the word be? Well, it could be salvation. Uh, you know, we, 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 we go to minister to somebody and tell them about the salvation of the Lord that's available. Uh, he died on the cross. His body was broken for the healing of your body and so forth. Now, they believe that, and as soon as they believe it, Satan's going to come and try to steal that from them somehow. Uh, you talk to people about the words that they speak. You talk to other things that we're going to get into later about speaking words. Satan will come and steal in any way that he can. He'll use one of these five weapons. <clears throat> um, when I was a young man, I, when I was a teenager, I got in a lot of trouble. I was in and out of trouble. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I spent time in jail. I spent time in reform school. And um, I had some abuse issues that I had to deal with. Not my parents, but other people. And um, for years, the church, when I got saved, I didn't know anything about God's love. I, knew every, I, I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. And people told me for years... These things happen because God's trying to teach you something. He's trying to get a hold of you, boy. You better get a hold of you or God's going to box your ears. If you've never had your ears boxed, ask somebody what it is to get your ears boxed. But that's what I heard. So I get saved in reform school because this guy's loudmouth pastor from Hammond, Indiana. Fred Stanfield was his name. I hope he ever gets a chance to hear this if he's still alive. But he told everybody, turn or burn. That's exactly what the message was. And I did not want to burn, so I turned. So after that happened, I spent 10 years in the wilderness before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. When I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, a guy hands me a tape. And he says, you need to listen to this tape. And it was the, it was the parable of the sower by Kenneth Copeland. I listened to it, and I can tell you where I was. I was in Dayton, Ohio in 1978. Worst blizzard they'd had there in 100 years. I'm in there. i got a brand new coffee filter, coffee maker there. I've got my cigarettes there. Man, i got a new lighter. I'm ready to go. And i got my brand new Bible. And I start reading this, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit hits me, and I begin to realize that God's not my problem. Satan is my problem. He's the one that was doing these things to me, not God. And it changed my life because all of a sudden the things I had been told by religion were not true. And I learned that and it's changed my life and I hope it will change your life. Now, he talks about for nothing is hidden except to be revealed. Uh, we're able to know the secrets of God. He says that he'd tell us these things. If you remember back in verse 17 uh, in Matthew, he said people from prophets... And righteous men from old longed to hear the things that you did, and they couldn't hear them. They asked God all the time. You go back to classic example of that. <coughs> excuse me, is um, Elisha, uh, the 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 Shunammite woman's uh, son died. He went 
to, to see there the boy was dead after all of these good things had happened to her. Then her son dies. He screams, oh my gosh, my head, and he, they take him inside and he dies. What is it Elisha says? Elisha gets there and he starts asking God questions about why is the kid dead? God doesn't answer the questions. He raises the kid, but he doesn't answer the questions. We see this all through the Old Testament. We see Satan coming to steal the word from people. So, moving on. Verse 24. Take heed what you hear. The measure you give will be measured for you, and to you who hear will more be given. For to him who has, more will be given, and from him who has not, even what he has will be taken. Now why is that going to happen? Why is, because of what you hear, the measure you, will, the measure you give will be measured back to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. For to him who has, more will be given, and from him who has not, even what he has will be taken. Why would that happen? Well, first thing is, you find out, uh, go to a professional sports league, go to Tom Brady, classic act, and the, uh, the fact the Buccaneers just won the, the Super Bowl. Greatest quarterback in NFL history, whether you like him or not, he is. Or you could go to, to great pitchers, uh, Greg Maddox pitched for the Braves back in the 90s. You could go back to great golfers. Unfortunate about Tiger Woods had a wreck today, but I hope he's okay. I believe he's going to be fine. But you go back to the great performers in sports. They don't change their routine. They do the same thing all the time. The reason that they get the results is because they train and they do the same things all the time. Um, give you a classic example of that. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, Green Bay Packers in the 60s and the Bears in the 1960s were the NFL champions. And they were getting ready to play for a, a Western Conference championship and the Bears, Papa Hallett, sent out a, a scout to go to the Packers game and, get, and tell them what was going on. Comes back in Monday, the scout brings in and Papa Hallett asks him, did you scout the game? Yeah. He said, let me see your report. He throws down a blank clipboard. Hal says, what's this about? And he said, well, they run better than anybody, they block better than anybody, and they tackle better than anybody. They do the fundamentals well. What Jesus is telling us here is the fundamentals. God gives you a word. God moves on your behalf. Satan's going to come to steal it. And he's going to use these five things. That's the fundamentals. Don't let religion or anybody else tell you that God's trying to teach you something through this. He may, great, he may take the opportunity, but it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault that COVID is here. God's, it's not God's fault that evil things happen to people because they get out of line. If you stick your finger in a light socket, you're going to get zapped. You start doing the things God tells you not to do, you get out of His position, uh, of His covering, as it says in Psalm 91, out from under the shadow of Shaddai, and you start operating in Satan's territory. Um, later on, we'll look at this from the Apostle Paul and the thorn in the flesh. We'll talk about Job a little. But we'll see here that it's not God causing the problems. Now, <clears throat> go down to verse 
Uh, number 26. The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. For the earth bears fruit by itself. First the blade, then the head, and the full seed in the head. But when the grain is ripe, immediately he applies the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, let's talk about this a minute. I spent 45 years working in agronomics, golf course, uh, home lawns, university, grounds maintenance, growing grass for a living. That's what I did. And I understand how it works. And what he's talking about here is not, and, and later on you'll hear other things, it's not the size of the seed that counts. You plant the seed and you provide water, nutrients, and sunlight, and the, the, the proper medium for it to grow in, it's going to grow if you water it. That's what seeds do. Now, from this perspective, he says he sleeps and sprouts. He sleeps. He didn't sprout. The seed did. He said he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How he doesn't know. Well, what is a seed? A seed is a word. We've seen that here. It's the Word of God. The seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how it's going to happen. And you're going to see that in just a few minutes. Or at least in the next session, we'll have a chance to talk about uh, how the seed sprouts. And he says, but the earth bears fruit by itself. Well, where's the earth? That's your spirit man. It's your spirit man that helps this thing grow. You don't know how it's all going to work. I don't know how God does what he does. I know some things about what God does, because he tells me that in his word. But I don't know how he does some of the detail works that he does. So, for the earth bears fruit by itself, first the blade, then the head, and the full seed in the head. And when the grain is ripe, immediately applies the sickle, and the harvest has come. So, there's a process when that seed is planted. And let's just use the seed of salvation. We, we, we talk to our neighbor, we talk to somebody, and you tell them about salvation, that seed gets planted. It takes time to grow. It's not going to be an overnight, instant thing. Now, there may be a lot of times when seeds have already been planted, and you witness to your neighbor, and you're the last key to that thing, and he jumps and gets saved. But at some point, somebody had to plant a seed in his heart, and it was his spirit that the medium is where the seed grows. It's in his heart. Because, you know, we are a three-part person. You are a spirit, you live in a body, and you have a soul. So it's the spirit man that makes this thing work. Now, quick review of what we've seen. When God gives you a word, it could be for anything, but when you go to, the, go to church and you hear the, the true word of God spoken, like the people did, and we saw this in the first, four, first three chapters of Mark, when Jesus taught, he taught the Word. And when he did teach, people were amazed because it says they had a, he taught as one who had authority. Now, within that authority, a lot of things are going on. And this is where we don't know how he's going to do that. Talk about healing. I don't know how he's going to heal somebody. We pray for somebody. We start planting seeds. Is it going to happen right away? Well, most of the time, from what I've seen, it does not. Sometimes it does, but usually that's a result of some, someone else planting a seed unless God comes in and just, you know, 
out of his grace and mercy, does a miracle right then. Catherine Kuhlman was famous for that. She had miracles happen. You know, they, she's beholding a, a seminar over here in this auditorium, and some drunk outside on the sidewalk would get zapped with the Holy Spirit, get healed, and, and get saved. He's not even in the meeting. So, this is what the seed is being sown in your heart. Satan comes immediately to steal the word which has been sown. What are the five things? Affliction, persecution, the deceitfulness of riches, lust or pressure on your five physical senses, and worries and anxiety. Those are the five things that he uses. Now, when we come back, next time we get together, uh, we're going to go through the rest of this chapter, and maybe we'll get into chapter 5 a little bit. So, uh, let me close with a quick prayer and uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're so clear about how you operate and how the enemy operates. Help us to take this into our hearts. Let those seeds get planted and bear fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Look forward to seeing you next time. He gives the joy of his salvation. Oh, God's mercy.